All right. Welcome, everybody, to Black Girl Creative. My name is Alicia Renice, and I'm so happy that you are here. Today, as you can see, we have a lovely guest, Maisha. If you could please introduce yourself, tell us all about yourself, uh, who you were when you are a child, and who you are today. All right. Um, so thank you for having me. Of course. My name is Maisha Francis. I'm an artist. I'm a teacher. I'm a curator. And most of all, I am a art coach. So I coach Black women artists to unleash their creativity and really live at their highest creative self and their highest at their highest earning potential. So um, that's what I do. Um, and then you asked me, who was I as a child? Oh, that's a good one. So I, I mean, I was just a normal child, had a loving family life, um, mama, daddies, three sisters, and they let me explore and do, you know, whatever I wanted to do. I was a little bit wild. So they put me in karate to kind of calm that down. But I was always artsy. Um, I was always crafty. Craft is my first love. I have always been into arts and crafts. And as a child, I think in seventh grade, I started doing like uh, head bracelets or headbands with your name on them. And I would take orders from my peers, come home, do my orders, get send them back. Um, and I, I made good little money in seventh and eighth grade. And then in high school, I was designing nails. So I was the one, you know, with all the designs, the long gaudy nails with the diamonds and rhinestones. And I had a big clientele. Like, I think I bought two cars before I graduated high school. So art has always been my thing. But when I got to college, um, I was reading a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And I remember a voice saying to me, I was sitting in church and it said, you're painting on six inch nails and I have six inch canvases waiting for you. Changed my life, went and enrolled in art school immediately and I never looked back. So the journey has just been amazing. But that's who I was growing up. I was always artsy, always creative. Um, and as I got older, I just learned to just let that thing start coming out. Yes. Okay. So first of all, that was a lot. Um, <laughs> but it's good. It's it's a it's a good it's good. Um, I love the fact that one, you grew up in a house that actually in a household that actually allowed you to explore your interests. Um, because I know for a lot of people, a lot of black women, like they don't really have that. Um, right. like we're all some of us like come from like places of like, oh, we're trying to survive. And so right. if this ain't gonna make no money, sis, then you can't you can't explore this. But right. you're actually showing that like one you were very profitable in your, in your interest, like in your even designing nails. Like first of all, two cars before high school, before you graduated so high school. They wouldn't even let me drive them. Like that's how I was, I would think I was 17. I was waiting to get a license. Mm -hmm. but yeah. I've always found a way to be, to turn my creative endeavors into monetary success. Yeah. And um, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but I, you know, we, I had to learn to not get sucked in to kind of that hustle culture because it would take away from my creativity, right? So before when I was younger, it was, um, the money was just coming and I wasn't forcing it, it was just coming. But as I got older and that overhead kicked in, now I'm forcing it, I'm hustling, I'm grinding. Mm. And that took away from the creativity. But that wasn't what you asked me. What did you ask me? <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. I was just, I was, I was just, I was just enamored with like the fact that you were able like to make enough money like to get cars like in school. Yeah. Yeah, because I know for a lot of us, like I said, like growing up, it's always like, oh, if you're going to be an artist, you're going to struggle for the rest of your life. When historically, like for black people in this country, sure. Right. And that's not everybody's story. But historically, everywhere else, like we look at other artists who we proclaim are like greats, like Michelangelo and all these other people. Like it's like, actually, they were they were pretty wealthy. Um, but it's almost like this this uh, romanticized version of uh, of the artist struggling uh, monetarily. Right. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I, I think we talked about that a little bit before that um, I made up in my mind that I would never be a struggling artist and I've never been a struggling artist. Now I have had some rough years, you know, and I've had, I have had some years where I had to take a step back and I've made a lot less than maybe, you know, before, but I don't, I don't feel like I've ever struggled, you know, can I ask where that came from? Like, how did you, one, how did you even have enough like thought to be like, I'm never going to struggle? Like, where did that come from? Um, one, I didn't like the term struggling artist. I'm like, we're not going to do that. You know, my parents have worked hard, fought hard, you know, been in the struggle in it. Like, we're we not going to do that. You know, this is, um, and, and I just, I, I knew from my younger days, like in high school, making money, I knew, I knew. I knew that I knew how to make money. Now, 
as a professional artist, I didn't know that. So I had to figure it out and just put keep putting one foot in front of the other. And granted, my degree is in art history and my undergrad is in studio art because I was afraid to get a BFA, right? Like what am I gonna do with a BFA? But I wish I would've got that BFA because not only did I not get hired in museums and all this other stuff, right? All I was president of art history student union, top of the class, straight A's, and all my peers got hired, I did it. They were getting internships or whatever, whatever. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I even did an experiment. I put Paris Francis on my resume, started getting calls back. No biggie. So I'm like, okay, I get it. So I decided I would open a gallery. I wasn't going to wait. I was like, okay, these opportunities are not opening for me. I'm not even going to... Um, cry. I'm not going to blame them. This is how America was raised. This is what America does. Fine. So I decided I would make my own way. And I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, somebody called me and asked me if I wanted to open a little studio. I was like, cool. And I called it a gallery girl. I had a big opening and everything. And then my parents saw how serious I was and they helped me. I think six months later, I was, I had a gallery downtown in the New Orleans arts district. It's the only black gallery on the street at the time. Even my elders in the community was like, how did you do this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just know I made up in my mind. I would not be starting. Yes. Um, and granted, it was hard. It was tough. You know, I had to really. To just be honest and transparent, I had to hustle, you know, to figure out how to keep it going. So I started doing paint and sip parties. I started doing you know, all kinds of things. Um, I had a, a, a art, a kids, a, a Saturday kids class, which was very successful, you know, and let me just say this, mm -hmm. all of those things created relationships. You can't buy the kind of relationships that pain and sip will, will afford you. You can't buy the kind of relationships that you will get with the parents from your kids camp because you poured into their kids. I would say at least 30, 40% of those parents have all bought original pieces from me. Yes. Yes. Okay. So first of all, you're like the alignment is real because <laughs> like I said, this morning I was recording podcast episodes for the month and one of the podcast episodes was build your own table. Right. Because like, I know that we're all like, we're all like, oh, we want a seat at the table. We want to be included. Um, And that yeah. is an up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That, that's what I'm sorry. No, no, that, no, no, no. You're fine. I was saying that's an uphill battle. Like that's a lot of energy. And so I was like, really think about like the imagery of someone sitting at a table that is full in their mind and feeling like you're coming in and disrupting their seating. Right. So they have to get up, make room for you. And even if you are at that table, it's going to have something attached to it. They're going to look at you with like, you know, they're going to despise you or they're going to look down on you or they're going to only give you certain access to whatever or certain elbow room that they deem necessary for you to have. Right. So a lot of these places, like they tick off like, oh, we've met our diversity, you know, uh, um, necessity. And so we're done. But instead of putting all that energy into trying to be accepted, building your own thing might with that same energy. Right. It's still hard either way. I would much rather build my own table and bring people with me to that new table than, than try to be, you know, try to appease other people, the majority who couldn't care less about me in the first place. So I, I love I love all of that. But go ahead, what were you going to say? So yeah. I love that so much. I was just going to say that. Um, and that's fine. Right. To want to sit at the table. But for me now, at this point in my life, again, I don't want you to begrudge me at the table. I'd rather you invite me, have an open chair and that's fine. And if you don't invite me, that's cool, too. I will go and build the table. And if I can't build it because I don't have the skills, I'll purchase it. And then I'll bring my sister in and say, yo, come come sit with me and eat over here. So I had interns. I had a team at one point um, and all of my interns, I wind up hiring to help me in my business. And I didn't pay them minimum wage. I'm like, OK, I'm going to make sure I give you, a, you know, a little bit more, at least two, three dollars over minimum wage, because I want you to see that you, too, don't have to be a starving artist. They might have been in college at the time, but I'm like, I know you need enough at least to have gas, food and, you know, whatever else. So and I would always tell my interns, don't wait. Don't wait for me to give you a show. Don't wait for me to, you know, go have your own show and I'm coming, you know, so. It's important for artists. Let me tell you this. I forgot to tell you this. The year before I had my business, Essence Festival is in New Orleans every year. 
on Julia Street was where my gallery was, which is where most of the galleries in New Orleans are. There's some on Magazine Street, you know. But that year before, I was selling prints out of the back of my trunk. I popped my trunk and I was selling prints for like $5 on Julia Street out of the back of my trunk. I think I made almost $1,200 that day. And my daddy was out there helping me. Girl, I was, in the, I was sweating. New Orleans is hot in August. I was sweating. My, I would run out of prints. My daddy would go to the print shop and make some more real quick. You know, and we just, you know, you, you can't wait. And I'm it, I'm not going to lie. I'm 41 now. I'm not doing that no more. Like I'm not trying to be outside in the heat in August selling prints. But if you keep taking those steps, if you are 21, sis, you have the energy. Go get it. Go do it. You know, you can't get in Basel. Go park your car a block from Basel in Miami and, and sell what you can sell and, and, and make some connections and networks. So if the table, if if people won't in, invite you or open up the table for you or begrudge you at the table, no biggie. Create your own. And I'm a I'm a big advocate of that. Yes. Like clearly, like so even even something else I talked about, like. I know that it can be really overwhelming for a lot of people like, okay, I have this huge dream. I don't know how to get there. Right. It's like, okay, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And so like we can get in this place where it's like, well, I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have, you know, connections or whatever that is, but we really do have to get resourceful in what we do have access to. Right. Cause I, I, re I really feel like it's really easy to overlook the connections that you do have here day to day. So yeah, you might not, even if like you want to open a storefront, for example, you might not have like the capital to get that storefront. But like you said, if you got a car or a trunk, you know what I'm saying? If you're persuasive in your speech, like sometimes it really is about taking those first steps to actualize the real dream. You know what I mean? True that. And you have to believe in yourself. Yes. I'm going to share something here. I don't know how many people, I don't know if I maybe maybe only my daddy knows this. Mm -hmm. But when I opened my gallery downtown on Julia Street, I only had the deposit in the first month's rent. Wow. My parents hadn't given me any money yet. I was just like, I believe in me. Now, that was naive, granted, but I believe <laughs> that was so naive. But it worked out, right? It like, worked out, girl. It was there almost five years. And yeah. I only left because I outgrew the space. Mm. So a week, I'm, I'm thinking rent was like coming due for the next month. And I was just like, oh, crap, what I'm going to do? So I talked to my dad about it. And um, next thing I know, you know, they slid me a little check. My parents ain't never gave me no <laughs> money like that. My parents are hardworking. You know, they were like, look here, you know, figure it out, make it work. That's all we can do. That's what we have, though. Mm -hmm. And um, I made it work. And then that December, I started running out of money again. And my sister was like, you know, this pain and sip thing, this was 10 years ago. My, this pain and sip thing is like blowing up. This might have been 11 years ago. And she was like, won't you do that? Me and my sister drove because to Ikea, Ikea had the chairs I needed and some other stuff. My sister and I drove to Ikea on a Friday night. We spent the night at my aunt's house who lives in Houston. We bought the chair Saturday morning and drove back and we had a paint party. I think that next Saturday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, so one, one thing I do want to recognize is that your parents saw you taking this seriously, right? It's almost like, it's almost like the help came like when you needed it, but first you had to almost put your own like skin in the game. Like, and I feel like a lot of people, that's, that's it. Yeah. Like a lot of people, a lot of people want support and I understand, right? Like we all want to be supported, but it's almost like you have to believe in you first. Much like you said, like you have to bet on yourself first because before there are any other investors, you're your first investor. Yep. Like whether that's with time, energy, resources, whatever that is, like you have to be serious about your craft. And if you want other people, sadly, other people only hop on after they see that you're serious about it because yep. they don't want a bad return on their investment. Sadly, right. They want mm -hmm. a return on their investment as well. I don't think that's that. You know, I'm going to do a video eventually about how to get in galleries yes. because artists don't get it. They think, oh, I'm going to graduate college and I'm going to get in some. No, mm. they want to see you put some skin in the game. How many followers you have? How many pieces have you sold? Are you a valuable investment for me to take my retail space and put you up on the on the walls? Yeah. So just like with, and I, I liken this to the, to the um, music industry. Mm -hmm. You will get much further if you approach a record company and you already have 50,000 followers listening to your music. Exactly. Yeah, they can get you another 5 million, but they know you invested. 
you've been putting in work, you've been doing shows, you've been networking, you've been writing, like they want to know that you're invested as well. Mm -hmm. You cannot expect anybody to put more skin in the game and your game then you should say <laughs> then you exactly exactly and and i love and i love that you brought up like school because i do want to get in your journey into your journey too but i love what you said about because i do believe that college can help but i do think it is creating like these like these dreams right it's like oh as soon as i get my degree then i'm gonna be um you know i'm gonna be certified and you know credentialed and uh you know decorated so they have to take me seriously but for a lot of people what they're realizing much like your experience is like Oh, there's more to this than just like, oh, just a degree. Cause just like you said, like by by seeing your name on paper, like it's like, oh, I'm already making pre I'm already making judgment. So it's almost like you have to get, it's almost like college doesn't teach us how to be resourceful. It teaches us like, you know, like how it's to be. True. Yeah. It's true. That's why I'm doing art coaching now because yeah. I realized that you can I started teaching gifted art in high school and I realized that some of these children, you can just build them on this. You don't even need, well, young people, they don't like being called children. <laughs> you can you can uh, build a whole business around this amazing skill and talent that you have because college is not going to teach you how to do that. You're going to go to college, get an art degree and graduate with 50 grand more debt and still no know-how. I can give it to you in, in a couple of sessions. You know, we worked together for a year. I got you. You're on your path. And then if you decide to go to um, art school, go there for the experience, the community, the feedback, you know, be clear about what college is. And all colleges is like another little course, you know, but yes. what you do after that course is up to you. Yes. But it does not open a door, pave the way. Maybe it did before. I don't know. But. I'm looking know. at my college that like I could have girl <laughs> y'all can have it back okay <laughs> like, <laughs> this ain't get me nowhere like and then it is and I understand like for I feel like the previous generations right it's like oh a college degree means more money and now that's right. not the and case because you yeah. can become a teacher lawyer doc, you know whatever things that weren't you know you make more money than the average mm -hmm. African-American or even American maybe you know yeah I, you know I just I know in 2021 that is not the case. Even I'm, a PhD. I know people with PhDs that are hurting. Girl. Right? Like, and, and it's, it's crazy. It's sad because like we all bought into this dream. Like, okay, when I do this, I will be then. And so a lot of us, like I said, are just like realizing, oh, this isn't real life. And so we have to become resourceful and create our own avenues of income, even if that's not opting into these jobs. Because sadly, it's like some of these jobs, like y'all want seven years experience and like a, a master's and you only paying $30,000 a year. That part. <laughs> How I'm supposed to live, right? Like, and pay back that this part. debt. Yeah. So, seven so years experience and 35, right. And a master's at 35 grand. And, excuse me? Right. And America is like just, the cost of living is just constantly going up mm -hmm. and that and that and they're not paying the pay is not going up at all like i remember um i remember making 875 an hour like mm. at like circuit city when it was in business mm. um and i and, and you know as a teenager i'm like oh this is good money but now i look back I, there was no way i could survive on that money so i really had to start making my own kind of money do my own thing and it takes longer people gonna look at you funny right but at the end of the day like I know what's best for me. I don't see myself sitting at a nine to five job my whole life, barely making it, if making it at all, um, just to appease, like, sadly, my previous generation or a society. So, like, how, where? Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, and creatives can't can't do it. Sitting at a nine to five, you know, it is so hard. But go ahead. <laughs> it is. It is. And and I and what I really what I really wish and I, and I, I love this, like, but what I really wish is that a lot of creatives and artists could see their art as viable options to make money and not just like some things can be hobbies, right? Like th some things can be done just for fun, but I really want people to be able to take their, their art, their work seriously, their craft seriously. But it's really about like, you really have to unplug from what society is telling you to really um, believe that about yourself. So how do you, how do you, how did you, I guess, how did you even have the courage to be like, this is my dream. I'm going all in. And like, how do you encourage other people to do the same? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I do a lot of inner introspective work, you know, a lot of what do I really want? What really makes me happy? You know, what, how does, how does this, how does this matrix really work? You know, um, and so 
I knew, and even now I'm getting back to this point, I knew that there were a lot of things that I could not do and have. Um, I like to dress, but I, you know, I couldn't. I, it, it, and it was all good. It was like, that's not a priority to me. My priority was buying art supplies. My priority was, um, I don't know, taking courses or learning, right? I still forego a lot of things to take courses. Um, you say, how did I make it work? Was that your question? Yeah. Yeah. Like how did, how did you, when, how did you believe that you could make it work? And then how did you make it work for yourself and influence and encourage other people to do the same? You have to know yourself and know what makes you happy and know, I'm going a, I'm to a say it straight, what you are put on this earth to do, what God put you on this earth to do. You are a conduit for something. And so that's how I got the strength and the courage to believe that this is what I'm supposed to be doing because of the inner work. I, I had to block out the money I would make. Oh, I did forget to say that. So remember I said that I was making all this money in high school, right? Well, when I went to college, I decided to stop. I wasn't making any money. I was just in college learning about art and you know the world of it because you don't learn about the business of it that's something different you know i got to study abroad in italy at uh lorenzo the uh the art art school in italy and i was just all about learning and just you know immersing myself into it so i had to put aside you know making money i wasn't trying to sell art at that time i was just trying to learn and grow so i went from making all this money in high school and even a year after, a couple of years after, because I went to fashion design school first, da, 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 and I was still making this money to not making any money at all. I was working at the Boys and Girls Club, probably like $8 an hour, something like that during college, because I just wanted to make enough to buy food. Yeah, And that's all I was focused on. I had a little Centra, and me and my Centra were good. And I would be in that painting studio late at night, you know, just working, um, and, and, and bearing down. And then when I came out, I was like, okay, it's on. Because I knew that that's what I was supposed to be doing and whatever it took for me to be happy in alignment, um, living my purpose, that's what I would do. Yeah. And it didn't matter if I have sacrificed a lot to do what I do. So I have lived um, behind my gallery in a little apartment um, I have I've done a lot of things to 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 and I counted all joy. You know, I've even slept in the gallery you know, for like I think it was like a month while I was transitioning into another spot when I had a um a little spot in the French Quarter because I was like, okay, I need to move the 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 space to another space. And then how do I do that without bankrupting myself and keeping my business and my art going? Right. That's I don't think nobody even know that. Like that's my first time ever even saying that out loud. Wow. And I didn't I didn't feel no kind of way about it. I counted it all joy. Yeah. You gotta be fine because that's your journey. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a friend, um, she does food and she slept on the floor in the kitchen when she was trying to get her first restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so she couldn't afford the restaurant and the the um the apartment or whatever. So she gave the apartment up. She was like, I'm gonna cook. Yes. So <laughs> um you know, people ask me all the time, how did you do it? How did you do it? I'm going to say a lot of it was divine intervention, but that's because I was in my purpose. Mm -hmm. It will happen for you the same way, but a lot of it too is strategic planning. You have to plan. As artists, we tend to just got this idea, go that way. Got this idea, go that way. I got this, you know, I made this three grand. I'm going to take that three grand and go do this. I got this five grand. I'm going to go ahead and do that. You know, so we just like all over the place instead of like focusing in on this one thing and building up that one thing, then adding something else, right? Mm -hmm. Focusing on that one thing and then adding something else. So like for me, you know, I focused on building my original art practice, you know, getting that down and solid. I, I finally feel like I've stepped into my style. I took a whole summer and got all my prints together and got that lined up and how they are pumped out. Then I added affirmation cards. So that's another stream of income. Every now and again, I get a little uh, $20 and people rarely buy one set. They might buy two. Yeah. A little $40 ding for my affirmation cards. And then uh, pain and sip was a stream of income at one time, and I really grew it and built it. Now I don't do 16 a month anymore. I just pick and choose one or two. 
Right. right. Every now and again, if I want, I haven't done any since COVID, but people have steadily been calling because mm -hmm. I built it for so long. Um, and I have one, which is great. And it's like 50 people, you know, it's yeah. like, let me go make that two, three grand bump, jump in, jump out. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so now I'm adding another stream, right? The art coaching, building that up, you know, and then eventually it'll be another stream, which is YouTube, which will come organically through doing um, coaching and, and sessions like these. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's like, and I, I think like I struggle with that too, as a multi-passionate creative, like people who like, you know, are all over the place, I'm guilty, right? Because I'm just like, oh my God, all these ideas, you know, <laughs> right, right. Like that is what it's like to be creative. Like you just, you're just always like coming up with ideas, but we really do have to be careful not to um, self-sabotage yep. because like, we're like, oh, we're doing this one good thing. And because maybe this thing isn't growing how we want it to grow, or it's not moving as fast enough as we want it to, as we want it to move, um, we move on to something else. So we like, we jump shit before it actually reaches the destination. Right. Right. We do. We do that. Yeah. We do it a lot. And even yeah. me, like right now um, I'm teaching. So I teach gifted art because I knew I wanted to, I didn't want to do like, if I did uh, painted parties again, I wouldn't have to teach, but I knew I wanted to grow art coaching. I knew, I, especially when I, I did it for a year teaching gifted students, I was like, whoa, this is what I really, really like. And I really want to be um, in this space, right? Of motivated and inspiring artists. So it allowed me to say, okay, I'm not going to go. I still was selling original art. So that stream is there. Prints are there. Affirmation cards are there. But I also have that teaching as a stream of income. And it's important for artists not to get sidetracked in these full-time jobs if that's not your end goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So art coaching, now this job allows me to really just push a lot of time into art coaching because I have all these other streams that are working just fine. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the streams of income. Let's mm -hmm. let's talk about that, because I, I really feel like um, a lot of people do put all their eggs in one basket, even if they're not creative. Right. Even if they're there's like, oh, so I'm so dependent on this job. But then like we've seen like with government shutdowns, with covid, <laughs> with all this other stuff happening, we know that it's not beneficial to just rely on one stream. It's so true. like, yeah. So like so please tell us more about like streams of income as creatives and as artists specifically. So I I always talk about. um you know, I went before, prior to this, well, not even prior to this, right now, I tell people I'm a full-time artist. And a lot of artists think if they're not making their full-time income from selling their original pieces and their original work of art, they're not a full-time artist. That's just not true. You, you Selling your original work, in my opinion, should only be one stream of income within your entire art business because even if you sell a piece for five or $10,000, that might just be that month. Even if you're in the gallery and they sell it, let's just say they sell out your whole show, right? That might be 30, 40, let's say $40,000, right? Let's just say you had a good, good show, right? But that's that for the year. <laughs> and exactly. you might not have another show for another year or two. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you can't put all your eggs into only selling original art. You need to have multiple streams of income. So while you're building that original art practice, you should also be building your prints. Those are the two obvious, right? Mm -hmm. But there are lots of other things you can do. You can do licensing deals. I did a licensing deal. It was a, a $2,000 deal. I sent them one image. All it was was an upload, click, click, email the image, right? So start, and I took a licensing course. So I'm like, okay, how can I build this out? Right. I haven't even started building that stream of income out yet, which I should because it's so easy. Right. Well, I'm going to say it's so easy. You have to pitch and, you know, all these other things. But um, <clears throat> also you want to. Um, there are other streams of income I learned about, like traveling exhibitions where I have an artist friend who will put together an exhibit of his work and then shop it to different museums and cultural centers which is a valuable thing because they have to do a different show every month or so many a year. And then they, he would just ship the whole exhibit to them. They pay him a check. And then when the exhibit is over, they send it back. Um, art markets, right? That's not a stream of income I build, but I know a lot of artists who make their entire living off of art markets because they're very strategic about them. They know which ones they're applying to year to year. You know, I love it. And, you know, I just, I just don't like the, the, um, you know, going out and setting up and all that ain't for me. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense, but you know. Mm. So, 
it's it's beautiful that you have like options, right? Like, yeah. and, and I, I think, cause I love even before when you were talking about the sipping paint and you were saying, I don't have to do this, right? And so I feel like one thing that's really appealing to me is like building multiple streams of income. Cause I'm also a photographer, right? I'm a singer, I write. Um, and so me having the flexibility to be to decide like, okay, this season one, I don't have to depend on one thing to make me all the money, get burned out, right? Like be like, okay, I hate this craft. And it's really, you don't, right. Yes. And you and you don't hate the craft. It's like yeah. you hate the pressure that you're putting on the craft. Like the love is there, but like having multiple streams of income gives you flexibility and you don't have to put all this pressure on one thing. On one like it's thing. and in your case, it might just be about because I feel you and I hear you on that. It might just be about for one year or two, you just build out your photography business. So then the the clients are coming to you. Everybody, yes. you know, all your referrals, they're just coming back. And you don't have to focus so hard on that. But when that $1,200 job comes, you can go take that. Mm -hmm. right? And then you can come right back into songwriting. Yes. You are coaching and mentoring in somebody in songwriting. Yes. So that's a full time, you know, business model. And artists get really deflated, deflated and defeated if they're not making all of their money from selling originals and prints. Yeah. Originals yeah. and prints are not the only thing that you can do. As a matter of fact, you're creative. You can go probably do a piece of clay. <laughs> I love pottery. That's my first love. People don't know that. I want to try that. I, I do want to try some um, pottery. I just got to find some place to go to do it. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's and and I do I do like this idea of because I know for a lot of multi passionate people or people who can't choose like one thing to start it's like oh but what about all this other stuff right and it's like giving yourself a time frame like what I tell people is like one figure out if you like it enough to even make it a business right so like even if I don't know say if I was a photographer right and I'm like okay for ninety days let me let me try like taking pictures of people because it's different when you, when you have a, a, a idea in your mind that you want to carry out like a personal project versus like someone is paying you. And so they're paying you, they have expectations, they have, you know, they have an idea of what they want to see. And so some people go into businesses, not really understanding that, Oh, I actually don't even like this. Right. Or I don't, I don't like this part of that thing. Give yourself like a trial period, like a trial run. And then, like you said, give yourself like a year, two years, however many years you need to give yourself um, to build this one thing and then and then try something else. Right. So like how 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 long do you think? And I know it depends on like the person, but like how long do you think it takes in between each stream to build for creatives? Um, yeah, that's subjective. That's subjective because. Um, I don't I'm not saying that you can't build them all at the same time. Mm -hmm. We're not going to say all. I take that back. Right. As a matter of fact, in my coaching practice, I say focus on three at the most at one time. But I, I don't know, because like with photography, I don't know. You know, photography, it may take a long time to prep. You got to go out to the location, take pictures, come back, edit. You know, that's a lot. So whereas with coaching, you know, we can do these videos and share every day right mm -hmm. here in the comfort of our homes or wherever we are. So I don't know. I think that's subjective. Okay. No, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. It's important to focus down on. Yeah. But I do like that you said three, like three at max because max. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't pick up something here and there. Like for right. people, murals don't come all the time. Mm -hmm. If somebody calls you to do a mural, even while you're focusing on these three, go get that mural, hon. Because yeah. I can hear in people's mind right now, but how do I make money if I'm da -da 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 -da? Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that you still can't have a job at Circus City mm -hmm. while you're building these three streams of income because they might not be bringing any money right now. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the other thing that artists have to get past. They want to create, put it out there, sell, create, put it out there, make money from it, create, you know, write a pitch, make money, create, send that song to, the, you know, the A&R person and, and make money. It doesn't happen like that. It takes time. So, yeah, you might have to be working at Circuit City while you're building these three streams of income and, and building your network and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and 
And it doesn't make you less of an artist. Like if anything, it make you less of an artist. Not at all. And if anything, it gives you freedom because now your investor is your job. Like you don't have to. Like you have freedom to Ooh, explore. Good, Alicia, your <laughs> investor is your job. I'm saying, like you're getting paid. Like yes, you have to trade time for money, but you can use that money yeah, to fund, yeah. right? But you can use that money to fund, like your if you're a painter, paint, or you can fund, you know, software for music or whatever it is that you're doing, like. And and seeing that thing as giving yourself freedom because I'm trying to tell you when you step out here and you're just depending on your one thing, it can get very scarce. It can be, get very scary. And like, yes. And, and you and you also want to be able to make sober decisions, right? Because when you're desperate, that's good. When you're desperate, like you will do anything. Like you'll do anything for money. You will lowball yourself. You will take on gigs that you're not qualified for or that you don't actually don't want to do. And so now you have you know this this rolodex of people, you know for family shoots and you don't even like family shoots. You don't even like weddings. And that's some place that I found myself. Like I was doing a lot of weddings because it was money because it was appealing. Cause like, Oh, I can make this money. I was drained. I was exhausted. I was sick. My body, like a wedding is a grueling day for a photographer and videographer and everybody else. <laughs> like, I've heard like, I've heard a lot of photographers say that. Oh, it's bad. And so I realized I was miserable, but I was making money. And for me, it just wasn't worth it. Like it was like, if had I had money coming in and I did get a job, I worked at a bookstore, but had I had money coming in, then I wouldn't be so pressed to take on every single job. You know what I mean? So that's true. That's that's really true. And I know that it gets hard after you've been working, you know, a full time job to come then and get into your practice. Um, that can be a little bit much, even like now with um, teaching. I tell artists. Oops, sorry. No, you're fine. Oops, sorry about that. You're fine. Sorry, okay. I'm gonna turn the ringer off. I tell artists to try to work it out with your job where you can have some flexibility. Mm -hmm. You know, and it doesn't hurt to ask. I promise you, if they know you are artist, they will try to help you, they'll respect you. Um, not all the time, right? But every every job I've had, I've asked for flexibility because I'm an artist and they've given it. Yeah. Yeah. And where I can always just focus on still being a full-time artist. Yes. That is my, that is what I am. That is what I do. You know, I told my school, I am an artist first, a teacher second. Yes. And um, they respect that, you know, and I'm like, I I can do my planning from home in my <laughs> studio, <laughs> you know? So now I go from maybe an eight hour day to five hour day, but really I'm still working eight because I'm planning at home. So work, you know, talk, open, you know, have conversations. It's scary. You know, what if they say, well, no, you're not the right one for the job. Yes, that's a risk. It's scary. Mm -hmm. But you, if you would, but ask, like they say, you ask not, you have not because you ask not. Absolutely. And, and especially for like black women, like specifically, I feel like we're like born apologetic, right? Like we're born like apologizing for everything or feeling that we have to bend to everybody else's whim and really asking for what you need and really setting boundaries can be really hard for black women, like women specifically, but especially black women. Like we're like looked at as superwoman. You should be able to do everything. Like, no, like you'll find time to do this or you should put your things on the back burner for me, whoever me is, the job, the person, whatever that is. Like, so for yourself, like, first of all, I wanna know like in the space of visual art, in the space of like um, painting or all these other things, what is it? What is your experience like as a black woman, a black woman in these spaces? Like, does it feel, does it feel different? Cause I'm not a part of these spaces, but I do wanna know like what that, what that's like for you. Um. I mean, just to be honest and really vulnerable in this moment, I would always say that I have um, in these high art spaces, there has been some trepidation on my part, but I haven't ever felt blatantly unwelcomed. And I say blatantly, but, you know, obviously I, I maybe I wasn't invited to A, B or C, you know, and it's like, OK, mm -hmm. you know, I don't I don't. I don't feel no kind of way about it because I understand that Americans were raised like this, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And and I it's almost like I feel like we've been so like we've been so groomed to understand that we're not always going to be accepted that some of it doesn't even like hit our radar, right? It's just like, okay, that's life. Like <laughs> we keep it pushing, we keep it moving, you know what I mean? And um I and love I be around people who love and accept me and I want to sell to people and work with people who love and accept me. So for sure, if I was doing paint and sip, I would say 
98% of my pain and sip clientele were black women. But at the same time, about 90% of my original art sales were white. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. and that changed as the years went on because now I have relationships with these black women. And I can say, sis, you know, it's all right to do a payment plan. We could work that out. You know, they would be afraid to ask because it was a new space for them. Me too. Yeah. I don't think I had been in more than three or four art galleries before I opened mine. Wow. You know, so, <clears throat> and that's most people because most people are intimidated to go into art galleries. That's why yes. we have like these art walks and art nights. I didn't know that until I started going to the association meetings. We do these big events because people, we, we make it relaxed so that people can come into an art gallery and learn. Yes. So 90% of my art sales were white. And so those people, I'm like, okay, then I form relationships with them. You know, yeah. the other white people who may have ignored me or didn't even want me down there. Okay. That's their problem. That's, you know, I, I won't focus on them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and I love, I love the fact that you brought up like making the spaces accessible, right. Making it palatable for people, because I know for like, even like, so I live in the DC area. So all the Smithsonian's and stuff like that, that are around here, it's like, Okay, like, you know, it could feel really intimidating um, when, you know, you have artist friends and like your artist friends are like, dang, like, well, my art isn't, you know, like this or even using terms and things like that, because maybe they didn't go to art school, but they're still amazing artists. And because they lack the vocabulary, they lack um, they like, I guess, like the the being um, ushered into, into the space, like they feel like an outsider. And so therefore they don't even try like they just keep it to themselves and their notebooks and things like that. Like, I love that you're I love that there are things in place where they're making things more accessible. Right. Like they're making yeah. it more understandable. That's huge. Um, yeah, that's, that's huge. Actually, even my mom, when I first opened, she begged me. She was like, do a, a series on what is an art gallery? Yes. You know, she was like and show younger people art so people won't be intimidated to come in and stuff like that. And I was like, no, you know, people know what art galleries are, but I was young and naive again because I was in that field. No, my community, a lot of people that I knew didn't know, you yeah. know, they didn't know you can even ask for a payment plan. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, that's why people know <laughs> they know. As a matter of fact, I was on a, um, a, a, a stream on Facebook and they were like, only black people ask me for payment plans. What are you talking about? I learned it. I learned how to offer them and how to set them up yeah. from some of my white clientele. You know, wow. I love them so much because they also taught me so much. Yeah. You know, um, and that's not the only reason why I love them, but I learned yeah. so much from my my white clientele. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it can be intimidating even for me and I am in this industry and have been in this space, but if you take me to New York, well, back then, not now, if you would have took me to New York in one of these high, higher end galleries, I might've been like, oh my God, what's this? You know, how do you even approach the art? How do you even talk to the, the art owner, the gallery owner? You know, what do you say? Oh, I really like that piece. And maybe I could afford it over a year, but how do I say that? Is it even allowed? You know, do people ask for the price because the prices aren't listed? Yes, you ask for the price. Yes. And people say, oh, if you have to ask for the price, you can't afford it. Bull crap. You think Jay-Z going to go buy an NBA team if he don't know the price? <laughs> this is fair. That is fair. <laughs> so it's, um, almost, it's almost like shaming tactics, right? It's like like I people. Like it's just. Even of this like idea, like only black people ask for payment plans. That's not true. That's, that's not true. <laughs> At all. Only black people ask for hookups. No. Are you serious? <laughs> a lot of these, a lot of these people, even white people who are in high places, like high positions, they got a hookup. Somebody brought them in under their wing. Like it's full Everybody of hookups. Everybody wants the best deal. Yes. And if you're not asking, is that the best you can do? You're probably not that good of a business person. Wow. But I've heard artists say my price is my price, and that's it. Well, if you send a song to a record to a, to a music company and you say you want fifteen grand or twenty grand for this song, and they say, well. Nah, but I give you 15 and your rent due. You're not going to take the 15? Uh, I'm like, going <laughs> to take it. I'm going to be like, no, 20 is my price. That's my price. That's my price. I'm not going to yeah. give you that. You yeah. know, I mean, sure, you should have run your numbers. And I, this is why I had to do art coaching too. Run your numbers. I never forget my mentor told me, you just don't do simple business, Matt. Run your numbers and know what you need for it. So by the time you sent it to the record company and asked for 20, you should know that it cost you 10000 to make it. So now good. you still earned a profit and you got paid for the for your time and your and your service and whatever you did. That's really so good. It's a, it, 
I've learned all these things through trial and error, growing and going and growing, um, taking courses here and there after college, right? <laughs> um, and just I do I encourage myself a lot. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you have to encourage yourself a lot if you're a creative person because you're all over the place, <laughs> and sometimes you ain't making no money, so you have to encourage yourself. Yes. I do want to ask um, a few questions before we start to wrap up. But number okay. one, like with community, like I've what's been consistent in your story is community, whether that's like your parents helping you out or like black women coming to your paint and sips, sips or white people helping you understand like the, the business itself. Like how has community benefited you? Like we've heard some examples, but how do you like pour back into your community based on like with, with your art and with your um, coaching and things like that? That's a great question. Um, to me, and I've had to learn it over the years, community is everything because I thought I was a loner, right? I thought that I just want to be in my 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 creative zone. I want to be in my head. You know, I want to go over here and create. Um, but the gallery really forced me out of that and having to meet and mingle with people and create connections and network. And I found over the years that it was the spice of life. It is the network. It is the connections that are always your next opportunity. It's never that one sale that comes in and happens. Yeah. No, it's the people that you meet along your journey. And as far as community, I, I, when people ask me for a donation, I try to give it. I had, a, I talked to an artist one time. I was like, man, these donation requests are out of control. And he was like, it's okay. Always give. He was like, just have a stack of prints. Give every time somebody asks. I love that. I know I was and I sat back and I thought about it. And I said, you know, he's right. Because. First of all, I'm a I'm a giver and you're and I know that when you give, it comes back and I don't give to get it back. But I just love to give and I don't worry about it because it comes back. And when it comes to family, somebody just posted this the other day and they were like, family always want to hook up. I give my family art. Yeah, that is the marketing that you can't buy. They love you. And they will put your name in circles into people that you could not because they are in different industries. They're doing different things. They ain't even really that into art, but they're into your art. Yes. I have three sisters and I make it my business that they have an original piece of art every year. And my niece and my nieces and nephews are the two that are open, that are grown. The other ones, they got to wait. They get my little small paint and sit okay. You know, because I, I go in their bedroom right now and my paintings are on the floor. It's like, <laughs> we don't get real art until they get bigger. Um, and then like for birthdays, my aunties, I make sure I give them a piece of art. Um, my, my mama, she has my, my mama's piece is the piece that's in the Smithsonian. <laughs> oh, wow. you know, like you, you come take my art. My mama has a lot of art, but often I'll be like, ma, I need to, you know, see that bar, that piece or whatever. Because the person, how I got in the Smithsonian, that was again, community and network, a dear friend, you know, um, invited me to come have coffee. And she was like, oh, by the way, bring that piece that you did with your kids exhibition. I did a my first year teaching. I was also interning in a museum and I decided that I would have my students to have a museum exhibition. That's so so I was tasked with, with creating an exhibition. And I said, OK, I know my students are going to be the exhibition and then we're going to have a field trip for the opening and the museum did an opening and everything for them with food. And I mean, it was like so cute. I would cry. That's oh beautiful. But check this out, Alicia. That's how I got into the Smithsonian by doing that community work. Wow. Because the person who invited me to the meeting, she has saw the piece at that ex exhibition. I had all of their pieces um, surrounding it, but my piece was somewhere to the side or in the middle or whatever. And she was like, oh, and that piece that you had at your student's exhibition that was yours, bring it yes. for coffee. And I get there and the curator is sitting there. And, you know, she says, can we take this with it? I'm like, yeah, you can take it. <laughs> you know, I, I even asked my mama. It was her, you know, but um, that was community. That was networking. But mainly that was somebody putting me you know, and so I realized from that experience that I have to do what she did for me for others. I yes. have to. Yes, I have to. Um, and, and that's how it works, you know. So I, I totally agree with that, especially when you said you don't necessarily give to get back. But it's but the but the thing is, when you do give, you will always be taken care of. Like, 
I, I, I've been in some weird positions and God always came through because like one, he's my God, but also I do believe that sometimes the thing, the people that came through were the people that I'm, I'm in community with. Right. So like, much like you said, I have a cousin who's not really like a musician, but he, he works in the government or worked in the government. And so one of his coworkers had like this radio show and he was like, Oh, my cousin, um, my cousin makes music. And he put me on the radio show. Like, you know what I mean? And, and his interest is not music. It's me. Like, he's invested in me and much like that you part. said like you know what i'm saying so i love that i love part. all of that and all that might have been was you and i'm not saying this is what happened but you might have just sung at his wedding for free and was like cuz i got you right it's okay yeah you charge 250 to do weddings but for your cousin it's free go ahead on. I'm not, and and listen you could even be like cuz well normally i charge 250 but just give me 75 Mm -hmm. And they will respect that and honor that and love you back for that. And so you just really gave mm -hmm. another 125 of, yeah, whatever the number is. Um, <laughs> I know that's just 200, so whatever. But, but I'm not doing the math either. But. Yeah, <laughs> look, you gave 125, but that is also marketing and networking and connections that you can't buy. Yes. You know, and you don't, you want to build that right along with your practice. So those closed fist creatives. Mm -hmm. That's why mm. it's not flowing for you. And that's just mm. the truth. Say that one more time. Closed fist creatives is not going to flow for you. That, sure. that is the absolute truth. And and I do I do think that some of some people like struggle with scarcity mindset. And even with like beyond like, oh, I can't do anything for free or like I can't give or whatever. It's almost like <laughs> even that idea of like, it's like, yes, you can. And this idea of like, competition right like oh ooh, ooh, i gotta ooh, and, and that is ooh. a scarcity mindset like what are your thoughts on that like oh i love you for even bringing that up competition <laughs> I, there is a meme i love i saw it on instagram one time the only person i compete with and then there was an arrow pointing up to yourself yourself your own picture because to me competition is and what I, mean, I I compete with nobody. I do not compete ever. I don't compete. I don't compare. Now I might look at other artists' work and be like, "Wow, that's so beautiful." I wonder how I can you know unfold that or explore that in my work. But I'm not competing or comparing. Yeah. Yeah. You know that's 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 a and that that keeps you focused on what you're doing. Like you have to sh black you know black out what everybody else is doing and focus on your race. Yeah. You know, and that to me, that just gives you so much more peace in life. I don't even really understand. Um, I don't know how to say this without sounding naive. No, I think I'm really getting that. I was about to say, I don't really understand competition, but what I'm really saying, I don't really understand jealousy mm -hmm. and envy. So a lot of times I don't see it coming mm -hmm. because it, it's not even a thought in my head, like to be jealous or envious of what somebody else is doing because I'm so focused on how can we collaborate and do it together or how can, you know, I assist or give. Right. Now, I'm not saying that every single thing or venture I've done has succeeded. I have messed up in collaborations. I have, you know, maybe I didn't understand something right or say something right or do something right, but you learn, you dust it off and you come back again. You don't just say, oh, well, I'm not going to, I ain't fooling with nobody. Exactly. I ain't working with this one. I ain't working with nobody. I ain't working with that. No, you learn, you, you, you fix it. If you can, if you can't move on and you do it better the next time. Exactly. Right. You do it better the next time. Mm -hmm. Because collaborating and working with people sometimes can be hard. You might have an idea. I might have a different idea. But if we all put our purest intentions first, then we can really collaborate and, and, and do it together. But, you know, it takes work. It takes it takes people like letting their ego totally go. Yes. Like your ego will ruin stuff for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if I feel like an artist has so much of an ego like i'm we can't i don't even we i don't want to talk because your ego can't lead the conversation exactly. i had an artist call me two days ago um, not even two days ago it was like a week ago and they were so caught up in how people would look at them and think and think and think and i was like we can't even talk we can't even get to the meat because you gotta wow. worry about your race and you have to focus on who will work with you and who not talking about you, who want the best for you. All the people that's going to talk, they're going to talk. They ain't even doing nothing. 
it, 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 it makes me laugh when people online like comment on Olympians and, and movie stars. They out there putting themselves in the public on the line. You are doing nothing but commenting. This, this, and I, I've said this all always. Like the people who have the most to say do the least because what if they're focused, because if they're focused on their own thing, what would they have to say about you for? Like, what do yeah. I have to criticize anybody else when I'm focused that's on my own thing? That's the one thing I don't do. Right, I have three sisters, and we might kiki kaka, you know, <laughs> in there, but I do not like to sit around and talk about yeah. what everybody else is doing or what how they failed or, you know. If they failed and I noticed it, I'm like, man, well, what they could have done better. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so even and with the, the 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 track star who you know had her little yeah. her little glitch, I hope instead of me saying, ah, she should have no, no, what 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 could she have learned and what can she do better for the next time? When yeah. you have pain, find you a mentor right now, so yeah. that you can go and cry and cry and cry until you can't cry anymore, and move on to your next competition, right? Yes. So we have to. I have a mindset of I encourage myself, I encourage others, you know, I try to now even more intentionally build real true connections and in uh, collaborations. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And no competition. No competition. Like no I'm competition. Good, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> you said cuz what? I said cuz I'm a win, but I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm trying to win my race. And, yes. and I, it was a pastor who said it a long time ago. He said, all you have to do is wake up in the morning and say, God, what can I do for you today? Yes. How can I serve the universe? How can I serve the people today? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your gifts will make room for you. That's a word. <laughs> That's a word. It is. <laughs> and and this, I love how you said, like, like where, where does the jealousy come from? I feel like Honestly, it's almost like people who don't actualize their own dreams or play their own part or take up their own mm -hmm. space. They're like their dreams become like cancerous. Like it becomes like it becomes envy and jealousy and like bitterness. But it's like, but sis, there's enough room for you too. Like if you would just come up and take up space, right? Like, like this person is not even if the person is doing the exact same thing you're doing. Like that's not that's you're not infringing on them. They're not infringing on you either by taking up space. They're just. They're just more, uh, I guess, more intentional about taking up their space and more unapologetic about it. But the person who you're looking up to, they probably have their own struggles, their own um, insecurities and all this other stuff. Like, and so you don't have to be jealous. Like you can take up room and you can actually collaborate with them. Wouldn't it be better? Collaborate with them. You know, I remember my mom had to, you know, kind of pull me to the side and be like, be careful. The, the people might not be happy for you. They may be jealous. And I was like, really? For real? And I'm up in here crying on the gallery floor? <laughs> Like balling, how I'm a baby get to the ball. What I'm gonna do? They jealous of that? Listen, you know. So, yeah, yeah. It's because they're not walking in their thing. Like you want that thing. Yes. And I'm the type of person. If you had to just came knock on the door and say, "Hey, how can we?" You know. Yes. I would have made space for you. Absolutely. Always. And we can all win. We can all. We can all win. We can all eat. I always say that all the time. We can all eat. The the earth can 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 um can provide for everything that's in it. Yes. Yes. You're not like there is room for you. And and the 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 lower I guess level is to become jealous and bitter and like down talk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the higher level what really takes is you to put your pride aside like you said your ego aside and be like I admire what you're doing because sometimes envy is mistaken for admiration, right? It's just like mm -hmm. you could just be like, "Oh, I admire what this person's doing. I love how they're living their life. How do I follow like either follow in their footsteps, ask them for advice and live my own life, right? Like not copy exactly what they're doing, but like, hey, like, how did you get this? How did you get this far, right? And so for myself, what I've seen is like, yes, like sometimes the first instinct is like to second guess myself to be like, oh, I'm not as good as this person or I don't know, like, is what I have to say good enough? And it's like, like you said, like God, I am a conduit. Like it's not, it's not even me. And, it's not even mine in the first place, right? It's not, it's not mine in the first place. So like <laughs> that part. Like, so all I have to do is show up and be myself. That is literally all that's required of me to do the thing. You know what I mean? So. Oh, show up and be yeah. yourself and be the kind yes. of it. Yes. Open vessel. So you, you really, if you're jealous of anything, you should be jealous of not being open. This, this, this. Uh, I love this conversation. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, But as, as we wrap up, I do want to ask you like, 
so I, I usually ask like, what advice would you give people who are just starting out in their either um, creative journey or in their um, artist journey? Um, but, but I really like to rephrase the question and ask like for yourself at the beginning of your journey, what advice would you give yourself today looking back now? Be patient. Mm -hmm. um, there's a quote I just created. It is art is not a marathon. And I can even interchange that with creativity. The artist's journey is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Train well and run steady. Mm, I love that. That's it. You have to be patient. It takes time to build a network. It takes time to build your style. You know, artists think I'm going to graduate college. I'm going to put this stuff out. I did in my, my uh, senior exhibition. I want $5,000 for every piece. You don't even have a a, a, a meaningful style or, a, you know, not, be patient. Yeah. You know, just keep showing that work. You know, maybe give a couple of pieces to your family because you're building your network. You're building your marketing. Be patient. Yeah. It's OK to be patient. We have this culture where it's like, I want to blow up tomorrow. Oprah, Oprah even said it. Young people don't want to put the work in. They don't want to be the, the old Oprah who got fired from the network. Wow. They don't want to be the old Oprah who boss told her her nose was too big. They don't want to be the old Oprah who, you know, was working at the shoe store. They want to get out of communication school and go on TV and start a network. Wow. Oprah ran the Oprah Renfrey show for what? 25 something years before she started a network. You want your network tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it fails, you want to give up. So for any creative, I would just say, be patient, be strategic, be open hearted and be honest with yourself. Yes. Um, yeah. That's yeah. what I would have told the younger me. Be patient, Maisha. Yeah. Be patient. You know, get some more understanding. Get some structure around what you're doing instead of flying with every other thing. And just continue to grow. It'll be okay. You will be okay. And make 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 smart make smart better money decisions. We could do better. That's good. Creators <laughs> do better. Yes, yes. And that's for me. I'm taking all that all that advice for myself. <laughs> Look, even me too. You continuously grow. You know, I'm continuously telling myself, be patient. Yes, I want. I want, you know, a whole other stream, but be patient. Just share. Just talk your talk. Do what you do. You know, share and be patient and you will grow. Your your customers will grow. Your practice will grow. It will. It's like planting a seed and just come water it, you know, every three, four days. It'll mm. be all right. And it's almost like even a gentle spirit that you use, like with plants, like you should use it with yourself. Like you're not going to like yell at the plant, like grow already. Like Yeah, you can't force it. It's going to yeah. grow in the rhythm with the rhythm of nature. Yes. You yes. know, so you can't force it. I actually just did an experiment the other day. I planted a bean because I have plants. I love plants. Yes. And I, I know they grow fast. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to see it fast, you know, grow fastly grow or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you got to just water your gifts, yeah. water your gifts, water your gifts, be patient, be gentle with yourself. Everything you do or create is not going to be a success. Some of it is going to be a hot mess. It is okay. Put it in the closet and come back to it. Exactly. Close that notebook. Put that notebook up on the shelf. Come back to it. Be gentle with yourself. Don't compare. Yeah. And run your race. Train well. Run steady. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so if you could look, if you could look 10 years into the future, where do you want to see yourself in 10 years? Ooh, child, 10 years. Um, so I see myself um, quietly making art and coaching. I love it. I love it. That's it. I quietly it. making art, coaching, and reading. Yes. So what can I ask? I know this is supposed to be like a quick question, but like about the quietly making art. Like how, what does that mean to you? Like, what does that mean? That means just um, like right now I have one, two, one, two, three, four, five pieces going, right? Um, and I know where all of them are going, um, but I would rather 
have a slower pace with my original art where I'm making, and I'm talking about like in a little cottage somewhere, you know, um, slowly making art. And uh, that's it. Every now and again, you know, coaching. Yes. And hey, I, you know, I know you're on your art journey. This is where we can go next. This is what we can do. This is how we can, um, whatever. But that that's the that's the life I I see a quiet, slow, creative life. I love that. Mm-hmm. That sounds beautiful. But thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. This is you- so amazing. Yay! Same. I'm, I, this has been like life giving. But if you could, <laughs> if you could please like let people know where they can find you, how they can work with you, like please let everybody know all the things. Please. Yes, of course. Um, I am online www.mfrancisgallery.com, oh, and you can work with me by just going to mfrancisgallery.com. You can click on the work with me tab, or you can go to mfrancisgallery.com slash work with me. And I'll put it in the chat. Can I type in the chat? Oh, yeah, you can. Of course. mfrancisgallery.com slash work with me. So, um, yeah, that's how you can find me. I'm also on Instagram as at creatively yours, Maisha. And that's also my YouTube um, YouTube channel is Maisha Francis or creatively yours, Maisha. Okay, perfect. And I'll share all those links and everything with everybody because you're amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Of course. Oh, thank you. But yes, that's it for today's episode, you all. Thank you so much for listening, for watching. And until next episode, be sure to follow Maisha on all the things. And I'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye, (laughs) y'all.